Lord, we thank you so much that you are a God that didn't wait for us to have all of our lives together. Lord, we are grateful that you are a God that, that saw us as worthy, worthy of the biggest sacrifice that you could ever put on the altar. Jesus, this morning we celebrate the joy of our salvation. Lord, that the grave was not an end. Lord, but that you conquered the grave, that you stared death straight nose to nose. Lord, and you conquered it. Jesus, this morning, as we have already reflected on the stuff that, that we walked in with this morning, Jesus, you know exactly what's written on our paper. God, you know the hesitations that we have. Lord, you know the ways that, that things are blocked in our vision of you. Jesus, but we want to see you clearly this morning. We want to experience your love and your truth and your grace this morning. Jesus, no matter what our doubts are, Lord, no matter the ways that we have failed, God, the regrets that we hold, Jesus, we bring them to your feet. God, and we ask that you would clear the way. God, that our lives would be as empty as that tomb. Lord, that they would be empty, no corner full. Lord, so that your holy presence would fill us completely. Jesus, that your holy love would saturate our lives. Jesus, this morning we trust that all the distractions that we walked in with, God, we can trust them at your feet for a few minutes. God, we can trust them in your hands while we listen to what you have to say. Father God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' powerful and holy name we pray all these things. Amen. Well, good morning, right? Happy stinking Easter, right? That's exciting. Um, and I am back preaching. I feel like it's been like a year since I've been up here. And I start, always, I always say this when I get back up here, but I always get kind of squirrely when I'm not preaching. So um, watch out, I guess. Uh, but, but good morning. Uh, I had a question to start us off. I like to start off with questions. And uh, my question is, do you ever wonder what God thinks of you? Maybe some days more than others. Uh, you know, when I break a nail and get a flat tire and a speeding ticket all in the same day, I kind of think I know what God thinks of me, right? Uh, and then other days, uh, when things just fall into place and the Lord moves and it's wonderful and beautiful and holy and great, I think, wow, he really does think of me. Uh, but bigger than that, uh, what do you think of his affection towards you? Or, or to put it another way, how do you know that he loves you? How, how do you know that God loves you? Uh, I think that we figure out if God loves us the way that we figure out if anyone loves us. 
I heard a story the other day about an engaged couple, and they, their names are Annie and Michael. And they were in the process of, you know, the stereotypical meeting the parents, right? And so Annie goes to Michael's parents' house, and she sees the marriage that Michael's parents have. And afterwards, she's just in awe. She's like, Michael, your parents love each other. I love how your parents love each other. Did you know your dad brings your mom coffee in bed in the morning? I see how they love each other. And we all say, aw. And so time passes and the wedding happens and then the morning after the wedding, they're sitting in bed and talking and, and she just can't get over it. She says, Michael, did you see them at the service? They were so beautiful, they were in so in love. And then she mentions the cup of coffee brought to her mom's bedside every morning. And she says, does that run in the family? <laughs> to which he says, absolutely, but you should know I take after my mother. Uh, <laughs> and she replied, prepare to change. <laughs> okay. uh, but there's ways that we know if somebody loves us, right? And I would say that the same is true in knowing if God loves us. We look for signs. You know, some of us, we just kind of guess, you know. I asked him to love me and be in my life, so I hope he loves me. Um, some of us, though, we, we leave that completely up to chance, but others, we say, you know, I've done everything that I could, so yes? Question mark? <laughs> some of us, we go to our feelings. And if we wake up in the morning and we feel like Jesus loves us, we are ready to conquer the day. And others of us, when we don't feel like God loves us, we want to hide under the blankets and pretend that life doesn't exist. You know, some of us go by what Annie went by, actions. And we go to our prayer life and say, okay, if I pray something and God answers it, surely he loves me. And on the flip side, if I pray something and he doesn't follow through, he doesn't. Some of us go by circumstances. When my life is good, God loves me. And when my life is bad, I am forgotten and abandoned and he hates me. And some of us, we don't know. We don't know if God really loves us. And all of those things have two things in common. First of all, they're crazy. Okay? They're insane ways to know if God loves you. And secondly, they have absolutely no assurance, no confidence that God is on your side. Did you know that? God is on your side. Uh, Nancy Misler, she writes this. She says, we need to have the assurance of his love in order to move ahead in our Christian walk. Not knowing if he loves us or not, will hinder our being able to moment by moment surrender our wills and our lives to him and to love others as he desires. She says that this assurance, this confidence is crucial if we're going to be more like Jesus, if we're going to surrender every single day. And you might say, you know, I've asked for forgiveness. Is that not enough? And I say, yes, and also if you do not have the confidence that the Lord has your best in mind, temptation becomes more tempting. 
sin becomes more justifiable. Life becomes more overwhelming. And walking in step with the gospel, well, that's just impossible. And so how do we know that God loves us? And conveniently enough, today is the answer to that question of how we know without a shadow of a doubt that God loved us because he showed his love by surrendering his life. And get this, just for the chance, not the guarantee, just for the chance that you would choose him back. See, Easter proves God's unwavering love for us. Easter proves his unwavering love for us. So turn with me to Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles on your phone or written, whatever it is, um, it'll also be on the screen. But Romans chapter 5. And in this letter, this is a letter from Paul. And we talked about Paul last week. Pastor Valerie talked about how he, his life was heading one direction. Uh, it was heading towards killing Christians. And suddenly, his life was heading a different direction, where he was actually healed by Jesus and by Christians. And he was one of them. And he actually wrestled with this same question that I wrestle with this morning with you. How do I know that God loves me? So look at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in his glory. So I just want to key in on that first phase. It says, since we have been made right with God. Now, we all have relationships, okay? You know, whether it's with your cat or your spouse or your friend or your, your, your coworker or your family, we all have relationships. Fair enough? At base minimum, I have a relationship with you, so here you go. All right, so I just want you to key in on one relationship. Uh, just one of them. Maybe, maybe your favorite relationship that you have. And married folks, I just said favorite, so make sure you pick your spouse in this, okay? Um, <laughs> all right, so, so think about that relationship. Picture that relationship. Okay, you guys there? You guys there? Okay. Now I want you to imagine, what does it look like for you to not be right in that relationship? For things to not be right in that relationship? What does it imply? What face does it imply? <laughs> you don't have to make that face towards your husbands right now, but, but what face does that imply? You know, maybe it implies distance. Maybe it implies that we're not in the same room together. <laughs> maybe it implies that I don't talk to them. Maybe it implies hurt and suffering and pain and regret and conflict. But it implies something, doesn't it? When I'm not right with them, I know. If it's my cat, uh, it implies that I'm going to need to buy a new set of sheets, probably, uh, <laughs> if I'm not right with her. You know? and, and that's the same thing, uh, that we were not right with God. We couldn't be in the same room with him. There was this elephant in the room every time we talked, and this stretches all the way back to Adam and Eve when they chose that they knew something better than God did when we chose that we knew better than God. And this verse, it restores hope for us. It says that when we believe in Jesus' sacrifice, we're made right with him. What does it look like and feel like to be right in a relationship? 
is comfortable, isn't it? You know, meaning that we can be in the same room together. Meaning that there's no elephant in the room when we're talking. Meaning that they listen. Meaning that they care. Meaning that there's no silent treatment. (laughs) Meaning that there is peace in my heart and there is joy in my soul. And he goes on and he talks about this joy. He says, we can rejoice when we run into problems (laughs) and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops character, strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And this is kind of where most people check out. Because it says, rejoice in your problems. And I'm like, Mm, nah, <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound very comfortable. And this is a beautiful passage, but I think that we get confused by what it means. We think rejoice in our sufferings, like, well, if your day is terrible, suck it up. God takes no pity. Fake a smile and keep moving on. <laughs> and that's not what it says at all. It says uh, that even when we face heartbreak and loss and mistakes and regrets and failures and addictions and pain, no matter what we face, we still have the joy of the Lord. And there still is something inside of us that is worth rejoicing. You're at a church called Anchor Church. And there are people that come to our church purely because of the name. Uh, I've had multiple people that come here because they have a tattoo of an anchor. Um, And it just means something to them. And the reason that we're called Anchor Church is from Hebrews 6.19. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. And that's what Paul is getting at. He says, this is a firm and secure that no matter what comes our way, when life gets difficult, God still has been made right with you. That there is still this strength here. That he still stands in the room and fights for us. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this. This is kind of a freebie, but the Lord fights for you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He stands in the same room right next to you. And he, he intercedes on your behalf. So, how do we know? Verse 6, it says, When we were utterly helpless... Say that word utterly. It's just fun. Utterly. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And this verse leads to the first way we know that Jesus loves us, and that is because Jesus came at just the right time. Jesus came at just the right time. And you don't even have to take my word for it. Uh, Historians actually have said that Jesus came at the perfect time in history. And this was a crux of all of humankind, because at that moment, we now chart our years before and after Christ, right? And he said, or and the historians have looked at this, and the culture of the day, the people of the day, the political stuff of that day, it all aligned perfectly for this moment. Uh, politically, there was a man who was on the throne that was forcing his subjects to call him God. And then... What happens is that that man has a son. And so they refer to him as the son of God. 
And Jesus came at just the right moment to dethrone the fake Son of God. How cool is that? Uh, Culturally, this was a time where roads were being developed. So people could transport news and facts and people and things. And, And also, Rome was in peace during this time. So meaning there weren't soldiers off to war, that everybody was in central locations. Bigger than that, there was even a common language during that time where everybody had their own language, but everybody spoke one. This was the perfect time for Jesus to come. And it says that when we were utterly helpless, utterly helpless, utterly is completely and without qualification. Now, I'm going to require just a little bit of vulnerability because you're going to have to admit that you're not a perfect person, and it's okay. Have you ever met somebody that just, like, doesn't deserve help? Like, don't nudge them, okay? Like, okay? But have you ever met somebody that you're like, no, I'm done? Somebody that just really, no, I'm not going to help them anymore. Maybe they've been hurtful. Maybe they've been dishonest, they've been ruthless, they've been stubborn, they've been irresponsible every time you help them. Have you ever met somebody like that? And you guys are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, blink twice if you, you say yes, okay? <laughs> but we were those people. We were those people. That by our own standards, we weren't worth saving. And God, in his infinite wisdom, he says, you are worth it, my child. In fact, I'll send the biggest thing that I own, my only son. Which leads to the second. We know he loves us because he came before we knew we needed him. Before we knew that we even needed him. Verse 7. Now most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for someone who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Notice this. God does not wait for us to get our act together. There are times in conflict when you are not right with another person, and you say, I'll talk to you once you quit crying. I will talk to you once you get it together. I will talk to you if this happens. I will talk to you. I will compromise once you decide that you're ready to compromise. Right? I will talk to you when this happens. And this is the radical love of God, is that he doesn't wait. Lord have mercy, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't wait. Because if you were waiting for me to get my life together, we would still be waiting, you know? And this is a small church. What if he just waited for us to get it together? Without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus, without grace, for us to get it together. Lord have mercy, we would never have it. We would never experience the love of Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I love this. He says, it is to the extent to which we realize our inability and incapacity that we realize the love of God. Maybe you're in this room this morning, and unbeknownst to everybody around you, you walked in with some baggage. You walked in with this notion that maybe you're too far gone. Maybe that you are too skeptical of what God says about you, what he did for you. Maybe you walked in with a bag of reasons why you shouldn't listen to Lindsay this morning. Maybe there's reasons that you aren't a Christian, why you're not worth love, 
Why do you doubt this beautiful creation that God has made you? And I could stand up here and I could tell you, I've been there. I could tell you that I struggle every single day with accepting unwavering, unconditional love. But let me just offer this simply. Your doubts do not disqualify you. Your hesitations do not hinder God's love. They do not change how much he thinks of you. And what others have said is not what he has said about you. And that reflection in the mirror that you despise, that is not how he sees you. What others have said, they, they are just words. What he has said, it is truth. Listen, Jesus has never, ever been in the business of waiting around for you to get your act together. He came before we even knew we needed him. Leon Morris talks about this timing. He says two ways of looking at the time of Christ's death are combined here. He died at a time when we were still sinners and at a time that fit God's purpose. The second way emphasizes that the atonement, the forgiveness of our sins, was no afterthought. And that, that, that was the way that God always intended to deal with sin. He did it when he chose. So in the grand scheme of the ages, Christ's death was right on schedule. I, I love this because that means that God in his omnipotence, he looks at all of time. And I don't know how to look at all of time, okay? Um, I imagine that when you look at all of time, it's like, a big stack of pancakes. I don't know. And he looks at all of time, all of it, and he said, there. There. That is when Jesus needs to come. That he came before we knew we needed him. And the greatest reason that we know God loves us is because he demonstrated his amazing love for you. Verse 8. But God showed his great love for, for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were still sinners, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. While we were still sinners. In other words, at the worst possible time in all humanity, it was the best possible time for God to show up. And if you have not heard that yet today or this week or this year or this century, whenever you get to a point when it is the worst possible time, when your back is against the wall, when you are in the thick of it, that is the best time for God to show his love for you. When you don't know where to turn, when life is frustrating, God says this is the perfect time for me to demonstrate my love for you. To demonstrate means to show or establish, meaning that God wants to establish his love in your heart, in your life. Meaning that he took the biggest sacrifice just so that you could choose him. And he could be in the same room together. And the difficult thing about Easter for me is that it happens every single year. 
okay? And every single year, I can get up here and I can yell as loud as I can, and I can become really passionate, and I can explain Jesus in a new way, but we still leave with the same thought. That was great, but prove it. And let me tell you what, I don't have to. Easter proves it. The cross proves it. To look at the cross of Jesus is to look at God's love dead in the eyes. To look at a God that has a love for you that is unwavering, that is unchanging, that is unconditional, that didn't wait for me to get it together. To look at Easter is to look at his great love for us. This series has all been about butts, okay? And not two T's, one T's, but big butts of the Bible. And this is the biggest one yet, okay? This is a double wide butt, all right? But God showed his great love for us. But God. Go ahead and say that with me. But God. Now, now this phrase, it was a theme for this series, but also... Did you know this is a theme for the entire Bible? There are 484 times in the entirety of Scripture where but God shows up. This phrase, it reaches into our lives, changing our lives, bringing hope to the hopeless, intervening. But God is everywhere. Let me show you. I'll show you. It's okay. Over and over again. Psalm 73. My, fa- my health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Yeah. For no one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as he had promised in the writings of Moses. Ephesians 2, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That is exciting stuff. You guys are looking a little bored. That's exciting stuff, right? First Peter 2.10, once you were not a people, but now you are people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this one's my favorite one, First John 2.1. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Over and over and over again, this is the message of God. But God, but God did this. My life was moving one way, but God said differently. And there is only one appropriate thing to say at this point. I love big butts and I cannot lie. Like, come on. Like, what in the world? How, where am I at but the love of God? Where am I at but the grace of God? Where would Moses be but the grace of God? Where would the 12 disciples be but the grace of God? Where would the thief next to Jesus on the cross be but God? Where where would Zacchaeus be? Where would the blind man be? Where would Paul be? What would have happened to me? What would have happened to you but the grace of God? What would have happened if there was no but God in my story? This morning is all about big, the biggest but you've ever seen. But God loved you. And he still does. Listen, just level with me here. Our lives, they are messes at best. Okay? But God has a plan that is bigger than you could ever imagine. But God 
is with you every single step of the way. And I mean every step of the way. But God saw that there was worth in your life because he loves you so much that nothing could get in the way. Not even a giant stone after he died on a Roman cross could stand between what he had to do. What stands between what God wants to do in your life? What is it? I want you to take that transparency paper that you were given this morning. And I just want you to look through it. I want you to notice the words. You know, some of us, maybe we needed two sides. I don't know. But look through the words. And I want to ask, what is getting in the way of a but God moment? How do I need to get my butt out of the way so that he can have a but God moment? Listen, the story of Easter is very simple. That he removed everything to be made right with you. I love this because Jesus, uh, I, I like to do things for other people and know that they love me back. He set out, not even knowing. He set out saying, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll choose me. I ask for you to take a posture of prayer during this time and take your little transparency paper with you. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to come up to the altar. I don't know what that looks like for you. But as you have that, that list of messes, that stuff that keeps you from seeing Jesus clearly, I wanna pray with you during this time and as you are ready, I want you to erase it. This is the beauty of the gospel, guys. Is that Jesus came to make you pure as snow. But no matter what those markings show, he sees your face through it. And you can see his as clear as day. Father God, I do not know the words that you have written. Jesus, I know what words I have written. Jesus, I know the ways that I skew your love where I don't see it perfectly. Jesus, but you, but you paved the way. Jesus, that this stuff that I walked in with, it does not need to remain. Jesus, that it can be wiped away. God, that, that there would be room in my life to receive your love. Jesus, that no matter what I have done, no matter what I have said, no matter what I have regret for, Jesus, your truth says that you wash it away. God, today, I pray that this would be a holy and anointed moment. 
God, Easter can be about so many things. It can be about family and eggs and bunnies and weird things, Lord, but right now, Jesus, we want to clear the clutter and see your face. Jesus, would you empower us to wipe the slate full of the Holy Spirit, full of your power. Jesus, you on the cross, you said it is finished. Jesus, the work of the cross is finished and you are not finished with us.